So if you'll take out your notes today, we're going to be looking at a story in the Gospel of John, which is one of my favorite books in the, in the whole Bible. But John chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 1 through 16. And this is a, a story about uh, Jesus, and actually it, it's him teaching about being the good shepherd Uh, In the Bible, there are seven I am statements. And in these verses we're going to look at this morning, you're going to see two statements about Jesus. Uh, He says, I'm the good shepherd and I'm the gate. But we're going to focus on Jesus being the good shepherd. Now, a couple of things I want to mention to you just uh, as a way to sort of set the table for you. One is you're going to learn more about sheep today than than maybe you even want to know about sheep Because Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. A shepherd, well, especially in this context and in a biblical context, uh, leads sheep. And so Jesus is going to refer to us as sheep. Now, a couple things you need to know about that. One is we sort of have a a negative um, context for talking about sheep. Uh, Like, for example, you might hear someone say, uh, you're just being like a sheep. You know, you're just being a part of the, the herd. And, uh, you know, being called a sheep is not the same as being called a, a pit bull or a lion or a horse or some kind of other animal. I mean, the sheep, they just aren't that tough, are they? I mean, they, they really aren't. They have no horns. Uh, they, they, have, they don't have sharp teeth. You know, they're, they're grain eaters. Um, they can't run very fast. Um, they're, they're very vulnerable. And through the years, I've heard different guys when they've either taught about this or preached from this, this passage of scripture, they really play up the fact that sheep are dumb and sheep are boring and yada, yada, yada. But what you need to understand is that Jesus is not trying to put us down when he refers to us as sheep. In, in the first century, in, in the context of the Bible, sheep were extremely valuable. You know, today when we talk about a person's wealth, we often talk about their stocks. Well, stocks comes from the, the old trading market where people dealt with stocks, but not stocks and bonds, stock as in cows and sheep and herds and that sort of thing. And when you go back to the Bible, they didn't, well, they did have a cash society, but it wasn't anything like what we have today. And so the way you would measure a person's wealth was not by their stocks, at least their stocks and bonds and how much they have in the stock market and set aside over here in Wells Fargo, but you would talk about their wealth in terms of their flocks. And so when Jesus is thinking about sheep, he's thinking about something that's very valuable to him. Probably another thing you should know about this story, sheep and shepherds, is that this story is not so much about the sheep as it is the love of the good shepherd. But again, you're going to learn a whole lot about sheep today. And I hope that doesn't bore you. Uh, we'll see how things go. But let's, let's dig in. If you have your notes out, you can follow along with me, either in your notes, you can listen along, or you can uh, look at the screens right behind me. 
This is, uh, this is Jesus talking, and he's had a run-in with a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees. Can you say that word with me, Pharisees? Pharisees. Uh, let's try it again, but we'll get it together this time. One, two, three, Pharisees. They're the religious leaders of the day. And if you're reading through the Gospel of John, you can see that they have this very contentious relationship. I mean, early on, the Pharisees have turned on Jesus. They don't like him because Jesus is not the norm. Jesus is not the average when it comes to religious leaders. And he does things against their traditions. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time, they were all about their traditions. And so Jesus sort of seemed to poo-poo on that a little bit and it drove them crazy. They were always looking for a way and a reason to discredit Jesus. And so they've hit Jesus a few times, but now in a, in a way of speaking, Jesus hits them back. He's teaching the people, but he also addresses these religious leaders. Here we go, John 10, starting in verse one. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, say Pharisees, Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Okay, now it may not seem so obvious to you, but Jesus just called these guys thieves and robbers. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep because he doesn't have to climb over. He knows the combination of the lock on the gate, right? And you know they wouldn't have had combination locks back then. But, all right, you follow me. The gatekeeper opens the gate, for, the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. I think that's something really important to understand about Jesus as the good shepherd and us as the sheep. Jesus knows our name. You know, it's not, it's not like we're sheep that are just a part of this large, huge herd, and he doesn't know us. He, he knows us by name. That, that means he, he knows how we're put together. He knows how we're wired up. Um, our God is a personal God. We can know him by name, Jesus He knows us by name. When he has brought us out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. My my grandpa, who was a Baptist preacher, he was also a farmer. He was a tenant farmer for 40 years before, well, not for 40 years, but until he was about 40 and once you're a farmer, you're always a farmer. He just always had that in, in his blood. And I, I remember even toward the end of his life, uh, after he was retired, he owned cows. And it was, it was amazing. Me and my cousins, we could go out there where the cows were, and they had nothing to do with us. That may have been because some of us threw rocks at them and other things like that. Not me, of course. That was my mean cousins. I would have never done that, Sharon. Never would have done that. But when my grandpa would walk out there, I mean, he could just holler at them. He had these words. I, I don't remember what they all were, but he just had a way of speaking to these cows. He was the cow whisperer. And these cows would just, they would just come up to him. And he could walk all over his farm, and these cows literally would follow him all over the place. 
Maybe it had something to do with that hay he had hanging out of the back of his pants or something. I don't know. But, but they knew his voice. Jesus said, uh, my sheep follow me because they know my voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So here's what Jesus did. He started explaining it even more. Now, now keep in mind, he's talking to probably a very large group of people, maybe a hundred or more people. And the Pharisees are, are in the group. He's speaking to the Pharisees, but his real audience are the other people who are listening. Because he knows these Pharisees, that they're, they're hearing, but they're not listening. So Jesus, in verse 7, he starts drilling down on this a little bit. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. And boy, do the Pharisees know that. One of the things that drove them crazy about Jesus is jealousy. Jesus could gather up a large crowd anywhere he was going, but these Pharisees, man, they struggled for anybody to come and listen to them. And when people did come and listen, it was because they had to, not because they were excited about being there, not because they, they were expecting Jesus or expecting the Pharisees to do something for them, to help them, to have a, a word to say that's relevant to their lives. But Jesus always had crowds. Verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Which sounds a lot like what Jesus says in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except that he comes by me. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That's a great verse. Talking about a memory verse, that's one you should know right there. Jesus says, the thief who is Satan, and by the way, he's connecting Pharisees and Satan together. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have abundant life. That means an overflowing life. Then verse 11, he comes back to being the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. Ooh, he's talking to the, the Pharisees. And, and, and quite honestly, he, he's probably talking to pastors like me who think somehow we have a claim on the people that we gather up in our church. Um, we have a responsibility to protect and guide and be the under-shepherd, but, well... We don't really use under shepherd that much anymore, but um, Jesus is the shepherd with the capital S. Pastors are, are shepherds with the little s. We're not the owners, we're the helpers. We represent Jesus, but we're not him. So I love you, but I didn't die for you. I care for you and we're friends, but Jesus loves you in a way that's really hard to comprehend. But he says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, Jesus comes back and says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Want to know how much Jesus loves you? He died for you. And then he says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. Jesus is talking about his work as Savior. He's really casting some vision here. He's talking about what their mission is together. He he reminds them, hey, there are sheep here. You're you're my sheep. But then there are, are other sheep that are not gathered up here. That's one of the things we need to live with. We, we need to live with the tension every week when we come into this place that yes, here we are all gathered up, but guess what? Outside of this church and outside of every other church in this community, there are lost people that Jesus loves just as much as us and we have a responsibility to gather them up as well. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So here's the big idea. The big idea is that Jesus is the good shepherd and we are his sheep. I mean, that's obvious from the story. And as our shepherd, Jesus leads us. The key, listen, the key is learning how to follow him. So Jesus is the good shepherd. We're his sheep. We're gonna understand a lot about that here and the, the minutes that are coming up. He leads us, but we have to learn how to follow him. So for the next few minutes, I, I wanna give you at least five things that I understand from this passage and also from Psalm 23 about how the good shepherd Jesus leads us. And specifically, we're gonna talk about how he leads my life. So if you're taking notes, write these down. Here's the first thing you need to know. The good shepherd leads his sheep. He guides his sheep. I I know that that seems obvious and and that's what the message is really all about. The the first point is like the title of the message, but you just need to know that. I wanna drill that down into your mind. The good shepherd leads his sheep. Listen again to verse three. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and Jesus says, I am the gate. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He walks out, he walks through the gate and the sheep follow right in behind him because they've learned how to hear his voice. Listen to the first three verses in the 23rd Psalm. David, who was famous for being a shepherd says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. Jesus is a leader. So how does he lead us? He leads us with his voice. He speaks to us. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd 
I talk to my sheep. I know them by name. They know me. And they also hear my voice. And when they hear my voice, they follow me. Now, I'm sure that some of us are sitting here thinking right now, okay, how do I hear the voice of Jesus? Or maybe you're saying, Jimmy, I don't hear from Jesus at all. Or I hear voices. And even as I was going through my mind, I'm thinking, all right, maybe we need to reshape that a little bit. There's this noise of voices out there. There are lots of things, lots of people that want to speak into our lives, that want to give us direction. And so sometimes it's just hard to pick out which voice is the voice of Jesus. So how do you know? Well, Jesus speaks to us through his word. That's one way he speaks to us. And you can pick up the Bible and read it and talk to Jesus every single day. Every single day. You can hear from Jesus every single day. Jesus also speaks to us through other people. He speaks to us through the power of his Holy Spirit. I mean, sometimes the Lord does speak to us in an audible voice, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I've never heard Jesus speak to me through an audible voice where I'm somewhere alone or even in church where I just heard the voice of the Lord say to me where I could hear it in these ears, not speaking about my spiritual ears, but I've never heard him speak through these ears right here. I'm not saying he doesn't, but the predominant way that he speaks to us is through his word and sometimes through circumstances and sometimes through other people. But he speaks. The real question is not a matter of, does God speak to me? The question is really, are you listening? And if you're not listening, that's a problem because the reality is you might not be a sheep yet. You, you, you might only think that you are. And the, the other issue is, or the other question is, if you can't distinguish his voice, are you listening to him enough? L l let me explain it this way. If I walked into this room, and, and l let's, let's just say there are, there are 50 women. And l l let's say it's the focus uh, ladies Bible study that's meeting here on Tuesday night. If I walked in and there's, there's a crowd of women and they're all talking and they're laughing, they're making small talk, maybe before the study begins, share, maybe they do it during the study, I don't know. But let's just say this is before the study begins. If Karen was in that room talking and laughing, it wouldn't take very long for me, able to, for me to be able to pick out her voice. I could pick out her voice and I could pick out her laugh. How can I do that? Because the end of this month, we'll have been married for 25 years. So I've, 
had lots of experiences with her yelling, I mean, with talking to her. I've listened to her speak a lot. She listens to my voice. I listen to her voice. There's a familiarity, and I can recognize her female voice above other female voices because I know that voice. The way you learn to hear from Jesus, to get direction from him, is you spend time listening. And I'm telling you, the place to start is in his word. So the first thing that the good shepherd does, the first way he directs my path is he leads me. Number two, the good shepherd provides for his sheep. The good shepherd provides for his sheep. Listen again to a couple of verses in Psalm 23. It's Psalm 23, uh, verses two and three. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And David also said, he restores my soul, which is an interesting grouping. Because now, and keep in mind, David was a shepherd. Long before he was the king of Israel, he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd boy. He, he, he cut his chops, no pun intended for the sheep on being a shepherd. He grew up, he learned how to be a leader. He, he learned how to be a soldier. He learned how to be a fighter by being a shepherd. And so David knew a lot about shepherding. And he, he knew that one of the responsibilities in taking care of sheep is that you lead them from pasture to pasture and you give them water. And so those, that just seems to be like, like a given. But then David says, he restores my soul. That's the interesting part. See, I, I, I believe that David wrote the 23rd Psalm, not early in his life, but late in his life. I, I think the 23rd Psalm is really a song or a poem, a prayer, where he's looking back on his life. And so he's thinking about how he's known God in the past. And above all else, because this is where he starts, above all else, he says that God is a giver. God is a provider. And, and I'm, I know you could look at the life of David and you could think, well, sure, he, he felt that way because he's got all the stuff and he's the king and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. But listen, David doesn't say, Lord, I thank you for providing me a kingdom. He doesn't say, Lord, thank you for all the steak I get to eat. He doesn't say, Lord, thank you for all the fine clothes I wear and the good cigars I smoke. He he says, Lord, I just thank you that you've provided for me the things I've needed in life, including that you restore my soul. One of the things that Jesus does for us as our shepherd is that he provides for our needs. Yes, the bodily kind, the grass and the water, but he provides something for us that no one else can. He restores my soul. See, David knew that one of the hallmarks about a shepherd is that they've got their own mind. They like to go their own way. They, they, they can follow their own direction or, or just no direction at all. They can just meander through life if they want to do that. They, they get off the beaten path. 
And David certainly saw himself as a sheep that many times had gotten off the beaten path. And he said, when my soul was just corrupt and dark, when I thought my soul was dead, you provided life for me. I mean, for some of us, the biggest need we have here is not for grass and water. It's to have our soul restored. The third thing that the shepherd does is he corrects his sheep. This is not very exciting, I just want to tell you. The good shepherd corrects his sheep. Just a couple of verses here. First, uh, look at Job chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Job said, but consider the joy of those corrected by God. Corrected means disciplined by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hand also heals. Now now listen to just a line in Psalm 23, 4. It says, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What in the world does all that mean? Well, let, let me ask you this. How do you make decisions in your life? How do you, how do you make decisions? Do you, do you look for daily wisdom on blogs or Facebook memes or do you, do you have one of those, is it the super eight but I don't think it's a super eight, but it's, you, you remember those eight balls that has the, I don't know what's inside of them. I tried to break one open one time, but it wasn't mine, so I didn't try very hard. But I don't know what that soupy stuff is in there, but there's a little, you wouldn't call it dice because it's just one, but what? Magic eight ball. Do y'all know what a magic eight ball is? If you don't, Google it. Um, you, you shake that thing, you ask it a question, you shake it up, and, and you look through this little viewfinder, and you see what the answer is that it offers. Is that how you make your decisions? Or, or maybe some of you, you make your decisions uh, by going to a Chinese restaurant, you get a fortune cookie, open it up. Uh, I, I stopped and grabbed a paper on my way in this morning uh, just to check the horoscope. I never check horoscopes. Let me just tell you, first of all, it's built on horrible science. But uh, j- just in case you're a person who checks your horoscope uh, today, and I'm, I'm Aries, uh, don't be tempted by someone or something that sounds too good to be true. Caution will be in your best interest when it comes to money. I mean, do you make decisions by consulting with your horoscope? Because if you do, that's a terrible way of making decisions. The best way to make your decisions is to listen to the voice of God. And here's what I've learned. I've learned this is true at times in my own life, so I have to work on this, and and I've seen this certainly in the lives of other people as well. We make decisions based on what we want. We make our decisions based on popular opinion. We we make major decisions in life, even about who we're going to marry or who we're going to date. And hopefully you put those in the right order but, but we make decisions that are based on untrusted voices. And then there are consequences that come with those bad decisions. 
And the Lord lets us suffer those consequences. But listen, he does that to correct us and guide us. He does that to teach us. Man, in our home, when our kids were, were young, growing up, I was the disciplinarian. And I'm not great at it, just to be honest with you. My kids might disagree with that or they might agree with it, but I, I'm, I'm not that great at it. it. It's hard for me to give out a punishment and then live with it because a lot of times the punishment I give them is a punishment I have to deal with. Like especially when they, before they had their driver's license and uh, they, they wanted to go, they, I wanted to go out somewhere, but they were supposed to go out with me. Now they're grounded on Friday night. That kind of grounds me too. You know, so some punishments punish you. And there are times when I had to take cell phones away. There are times when I had to take away phone privileges. And and I'll guarantee you that, well, they never said it to me. And I'm sure they never walked into their own room saying, you know, I love dad. Because, man, isn't he great? Look, look, he he just took my phone. He took away my car keys. Or he spanked me, which didn't happen a lot. But it did happen some. Um. He does all this because he loves me and cares for me. But a good shepherd, like a good father, will correct us and discipline us when we need it. Listen, sometimes that rough spot that you're going through, the one that you're probably blaming on God, is more than likely a a place you're at because of decisions you made. And now you're living with the consequences. And what the Lord is doing is he's using that in your life to correct you. And one, one of the most uncomfortable things to know about shepherds and sheep. Have you ever seen a, a picture? Um, maybe it's, it was in a, a, in a Bible, you know, an illustrated Bible. And there's a shepherd, maybe it's even Jesus. And he's got a little lamb draped over his shoulders. And he's just walking around with it. When people look at that, that picture, they think, oh, isn't that sweet? Jesus just loves little lambs. He, he carries them over his shoulders like that. When a shepherd would carry a sheep around like that, it's because he's corrected him. When a sheep decides to go off in his own direction and do his own thing, the shepherd will take that staff or the rod and crack the leg bone of that lamb. So now he can't walk. And so if the shepherd now just walks away from him and leaves him wounded, that's going to leave him vulnerable to prey getting him. So after he breaks the lamb, uh, the leg of the lamb, which kind of makes me a little hungry this morning, he, he would pick him up and put him on his shoulders and he would care for that lamb and take care of him until the lamb's leg was better and he could walk around on his own. But here's what happened in the meantime. In the meantime, that sheep would learn who the shepherd is. He would learn to listen to his voice. And from then on, from the, from, the, from the time that shepherd could put that sheep down, that sheep would follow, I want to say Mary, who had a little lamb. He would follow him everywhere he went. But li- literally, the sheep would not leave the side of that shepherd until he was put away in the pen. The good shepherd corrects us, and he corrects us because he loves us. Let me move a little quicker now. Two, two more things. The good shepherd protects his sheep. H- how does he protect his sheep? In the, 
in the, the, the context of the 23rd Psalm, in the context, it's in the valley of the shadow of death. That's a real place in Israel. Maybe one of these days we can go there together. It's a real place. It was dangerous then. It's dangerous right now today. Maybe even more dangerous than ever. And a, a sheep, there were just so many places in that valley for him to get lost. And w- one of the things that a shepherd would do is he, he would have a staff. You know, a staff has a hook on the end of it. Sometimes the sheep would get themselves in a place they couldn't get themselves out of. And so then they were left vulnerable either to being lost, to being left behind, or to be eaten by a wild animal. And so the shepherd could take that crook and he could stick it down to wherever that lamb was and hook him under his neck, which might have hurt just a little bit. And then he could pull that sheep up out of that hole to keep him from dying. A shepherd protects his sheep. And Jesus offers protection for us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they give me comfort. He's saying, sometimes we get in places in life where it's dark, we're afraid, we're stuck, we're caught, we don't know which way to go. And he says, I can get you out of that spot. You don't really have to be afraid because I'm with you. And then finally, the good shepherd welcomes his sheep back to the fold. This is my favorite part. Really in John 10 and also in Psalm 23. In John 10, 16, remember Jesus says, I have other sheep that are are a part of my fold. They're part of my family, but they're not here. They, They haven't been gathered in yet. And then at the end of Psalm 23, David has this to say, Uh, in in reference to the Lord. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David gets to the end of his psalm and he says, man, I have just made such a mess of my life that I've given up on being able to clean myself up. I've tried so many times after I've just really blown it. I've gone out and I sinned 110th time. It's that same sin I've been saying to the Lord, please forgive me. I promise I'll never do it again. And yet here I am, I'm sinning again. David knew what what it was like to be the shepherd that wanders away, that has to be corrected. David knew what it was like to feel so far away from God. And yet he wrote about the shepherd and Jesus speaks to himself this way, that Jesus is the one who leaves the 99 and goes to find the one. Jesus is the one that goes out to to find that wayward sheep and and brings him back into the fold. Jesus is the one who, who says to that lost sheep that's just, all but destroyed himself because of leading his own life, making his own decisions based on untrusted resources. He says, I can give you peace. I can give you rest. I give you home. Jesus is the shepherd that welcomes his lost sheep back into the fold. That's the way I want to pray this morning. I want you to stand with me. And once you're standing, just bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to say two simple prayers. The first prayer is for those of you this morning who feel like you've just blown it in life. 
like you've, you've wandered away and you've come to church this morning, you don't even know why you've come because you feel like you're just so far away from God, you don't even deserve to be here, but it's not true. Our Lord, the good shepherd, is a welcoming shepherd. He welcomes you back in. Lord, for those here this morning, just every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, for those this morning who are struggling with their sin, guilt and shame, and the fact that they've wandered away. Lord, I pray that right now, just through the power of your Holy Spirit, who you are, I pray that you would wrap your arms around them and say, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. I I forgive you of those sins. And then, Lord, for the person who's never trusted the good shepherd as Lord and Savior, I pray that that person right now would say, Jesus, in the best way I know how, I ask you to let me into your fold. Let me be a part of your flock. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lead me, guide me, direct me through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to learn how to follow you and make choices that that you lead, that you guide, that you help me make so that I'm following you and not my own path. Jesus, it's in your great name we pray. And those who agreed said, amen. Today, as a reminder, if you're a guest with us today, please let us know by using your connection card and take that information table. We've got a free gift for you. If you'd like to volunteer or serve at Rocky River Church or you've got a prayer request, let us know by using that same connection card and you could drop that in the offering basket. Rocky River Church, we love you. God bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.